Chapter 1. We are all terminal. Don't accelerate the process. If I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. A quote from Mickey Mantle. I want to share a secret with you. If you violate one extremely important principle in life, you are guaranteed to fail, no matter what type of business you're in, what type of product or service you provide, or how well capitalized you are. If you violate this principle, you are guaranteed to fail in both business and life. This principle is very simple. Don't die. Now, don't take this the wrong way. I know people die every day, and it's an inevitable part of life, but a lot of people needlessly accelerate the process of making their own death occur, and they die far too soon and much too young. That's the principle I'm talking about here. My dad violated this principle when he was 46 years old. My dad was a hard-working guy. He worked about 70 hours a week at his job as the owner of a grocery store in Valhalla, New York. He didn't take care of his health, and he smoked two packs of Camel unfiltered cigarettes every day. He was responsible for sustaining a family of eight children, and I can't imagine the pressure he must have felt financially and in many other ways in dealing with those responsibilities. Perhaps he smoked because he thought it would help him deal with the stress he was facing as a father and as a provider. My dad's death left a huge void in my life and in the lives of my brothers and sisters and my mom. Let me tell you about the day he passed away. It was July of 1968. I was 13 years old on summer break before starting the ninth grade. It was a Sunday morning and we were getting ready to go to church. My dad started feeling a little dizzy. It was a very hot, humid day, so my mom told him to sit in the room that was air-conditioned. But his dizziness became progressively worse. My mom called our pharmacist, Mr. Slotnick. He was a good family friend, and he owned the business right next to my dad's grocery store. He said he'd come right over. My dad's symptoms still worsened, so my mom called our family doctor, Dr. Ryan. This was back in the days when doctors actually made house calls, so he said he'd come right over, too. As we were waiting for Mr. Slotnick and Dr. Ryan to arrive, my dad's eyes rolled to the back of his head and he lost consciousness. We carried him to the back of our station wagon to take him to the hospital. He was lying in my lap in the back of the car. I was a Boy Scout and had learned to do CPR and mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, and I was trying to perform both on my dad, but he didn't regain consciousness. When we arrived at the hospital, we rushed him in, and the nurses and the doctors came out. It was like a scene on TV. They brought him into that little room. They closed the curtains, and they hooked him up to the machine that beeped in time with his heart rate. I'll never forget that. It's emblazoned in my memory bank. The beeps from the machine became slower. Beep, 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 beep. Then they stopped. The doctors and nurses came out from behind the curtains. One of them said, your dad didn't make it. I was confused, in shock, and wondering how this was possible. My father had seemed perfectly healthy two hours before, and now he was gone. While I remember every detail up to this moment, the hours and days that followed are largely blank. I remember going back home and friends and family coming around to console us, but I was in a daze, simply trying to make sense of what had just happened to our family and what had just happened to me. The letter. About 20 years after my dad's death, I received a copy of a letter that my mom had received during that summer in 1968. 